This is why it's important not to conflate the terms Jamstack and static generation. Jamstack encourages statically generating when possible, but where it doesn't make sense, then you should just rely on client-side requests or server-side rendering. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to the Development Best Practices Podcast, brought to you by ILM Professional Services. I'm Jason Erdahl, your podcast host, and today we'll be continuing our talk with Josh Taylor, ILM Senior Consultant, about the Jamstack. If you haven't listened to our last episode, the Jamstack, Methodologies, Benefits, and Maintenance, I would encourage you to do so before listening to this one. Josh does a nice job of laying the groundwork behind the Jamstack, along with how to learn to use it and what maintenance looks like. Today, Josh and I will dive deeper into the best practices around the Jamstack. Josh will talk about what sold him on the Jamstack, when and when not to use a static website, and Josh's favorite Jamstack setup. Here's Josh. So Josh, you are an incredibly intelligent person that only chooses cool technologies. I, I, I have to say, you, you research the crap out of stuff to make sure it's good. I'm sorry, can I say crap in a podcast? Yeah, I can say crap in a podcast. This is fine. Um, so what drew you to the Jamstack? What was the moment where you said, aha, this is way better than what I've been doing? I don't recall crap being one of George Carlin's oh, words. Good, but. good, good. Okay, great. <laughs> crap, 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 crap. Great. All right. <laughs> it is four letters. Thanks. Um, I, I'd say it's the realization that a lot of applications today are really over-engineered to be dynamic when the actual content doesn't change much. Think of your typical company's website. You have a landing page, some neat graphics on it, right. some copy that tells you why you should do business with them. Right. An about page that has some history about the company, who they are, contact page with emails, phone numbers, and address. Maybe there's a blog if they're feeling extra ambitious. Right. With the exception of the blog, when do you think the last time any of the rest of that content has really changed? Some of it might just stay the same for years. You know, other parts of it might change on a week-to-week basis at the most. Yeah. So... Why are we paying so much money for databases and VMs, Kubernetes clusters, support staff to restart or scale your your backend? When we could just build all this out with a static site generator and stick in a storage container for next to nothing. True. Uh, Even consider that blog portion, which is likely to be the most dynamic part of this hypothetical website. Uh, Does it really matter if it takes a few minutes for it to show up to your customers after you publish a new article? Probably not. So why make your users constantly hit your database to pull down your articles, which, by the way, means you have to pay for all those users right. constantly hitting your database, when the content could be statically generated once in a pipeline and then pulled down as simple HTML that your browser can display nearly instantly. In the case that you do need truly dynamic content or auth or what have you, you can write serverless functions for just those specific pieces. If latency isn't a concern for you, you can fetch those from the client side. Otherwise, you can incorporate server-side rendering and caching for those specific components while keeping the rest of your site static. This is why you're seeing more and more companies move to frameworks like Next.js, which makes this hybrid approach very simple to accomplish. Very cool. Thank you. 
a static website generator then, like Gatsby, is very convenient for a developer, right? So um, with the right setup, I can push a change to my live website with a simple git command, right? Um, Why not just use a static website generator for everything? What are the limitations of a static website generator? Well, as I alluded to earlier, relying 100% on static content is not always feasible. Got it. There's the fact that your CI pipeline has to run to actually build those changes and generate the new uh, pages. Then you have a CD pipeline that has to actually push those uh, to your storage container and then flush the CDN cache so that the users will actually see them when they go to your site. This takes time. It's not instant. So that might not be acceptable in every case. Imagine if every time someone tweeted, Twitter had to rebuild their entire site. Uh, Another scenario where static generation doesn't make sense is when your front-end experience is different for every user. Think about a banking website where users log in, they view their transactions, pay their bills. For a multitude of reasons, this would be a terrible idea to statically generate. Right. And this is why it's important not to conflate the terms Jamstack and static generation. Jamstack encourages statically generating when possible, but where it doesn't make sense, then you should just rely on client-side requests or server-side rendering. And you could do this at the component level with the rest of the page still being static, so you're still within the Jam part of Jamstack as the JavaScript APIs and markup. You mentioned build times. Um, What has been your experience with build times? Um, There, I mean... There seems to be some criticism levied against the Jamstack for its slow build times. I saw one Twitter message, because you got to believe everything on Twitter, that alleged (laughs) 30 plus minutes for a build of a large website. Is this fake news? Is this true? (laughs) It's definitely something to consider when you're statically generating a large application. The more content you have to build, the longer it takes for your pipelines to run. If your site is very content-rich, such as a news site that you mentioned earlier, uh, that has dozens of more articles every single day that just keep piling up, you'll eventually reach a point where it's just no longer feasible to rebuild your entire site every time the content changes. Right, right. This isn't an insurmountable problem, though, as software engineers were paid for our creativity facing problems like this. Perhaps your site could be broken up into multiple applications or micro front-ends. Uh, Perhaps you can implement some type of archiving system that flags articles that are older than 90 days and doesn't worry about regenerating those every single time you build your site, just reuses the old versions of them. Uh, What you don't want to do is become dogmatic about static site generation because you heard it was great on a podcast that you listened to. (laughs) Uh, Avoid placing square pegs into round holes measure your KPIs and make data-driven decisions that work for your unique scenario. This is all fabulous. Um, This is the best practices podcast, development best practices podcast. Um, uh, Tell me, what is your favorite Jamstack setup? I am a huge fan of Next.js. It can statically generate your site You can operate it as a hybrid of static and server-side rendering. I'd pair this with serverless functions for anything that you require backend logic for. Um, 
most of my experiences with Azure Functions, but I've used Lambda as well. Um, Azure Static Websites, or Netlify, is a bit of a longer running uh, option as well. They're both great options for hosting that give you mechanisms for doing your auth and uh, form submission, a bunch of other things like that without having to write your own backend code. Um, the framework I have my eye on most, though, is FeltKit. And I think it has the potential to really change how we write our front-end applications. It's taken a lot of inspiration from Next.js, but it's based on Svelte rather than React. Um, and I think it's just going to reduce the amount of code we have to write to do our common tasks. That is very cool. Thank you for that recommendation. I appreciate it. So I know for a fact that one of our two listeners is a curmudgeon and I'm just imagining what, um, he is saying, um, he's saying, Hey, all the pieces of Jamstack have been around for quite some time. Static site generator, CDNs, Akamai, anyone decoupled front ends and back ends, microservices. It's nothing new. Um, is he wrong? What's the power behind the idea of Jamstack. What's new? Well, Jamstack is indeed nothing new. It's really just a term we can use to more easily communicate a way in which we build websites. The great thing about having a term for this style of development, though, is that we can build communities around it. There are Jamstack conferences, blog posts, podcast episodes like this, talks at user groups, and even a website called jamstack.org that has learning resources for you. Um, just like no two organizations totally agree on what Agile or DevOps means, there's going to be different interpretations of Jamstack depending on who you ask, and that's okay. As long as you get something positive out of it, then it's really a good thing. All right, time to put your Oracle hat on. We're going to talk about the future. In the future of web development, how big of a role does Jamstack play? I predict that more and more companies are going to try to adopt Jamstack moving forward. There's already some very large companies that have taken advantage of it. And you can find case studies online citing some of those same benefits that I mentioned before. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you find a usual pendulum effect in tech, though, of people adopting your Jamstack ideas where they don't make sense. And then eventually they'll settle on something that does make sense. Um, of course, Predicting the future of web development is probably not the most productive use of time. Right. I'm sure while we're recording this podcast right now, yeah, another JavaScript framework has come out. Absolutely. And uh, you're going to hear about it here first, ladies and gentlemen. No, you're not. Um, so <laughs> um, uh, we're not the bleeding edge uh, best practices. We are the best practices and things that have best practices decided. So, but this is great. The fine aged practices. There we go. There we go. I like that. So very cool. Excellent. Well, Josh, this was incredibly enlightening. I appreciate it. Um, I bet you we're going to pick up a third user, uh, a third listener out of this one. I just know it. So, well, thank you for your time and, uh, and have a, have a, have a great day. You too. Thank you. Another great episode from Josh. He has an encyclopedic knowledge of so many topics, but always does a nice job of distilling it into some actionable items. 
The Development Best Practices podcast is brought to you by ILM Professional Services. Did you like what Josh said about the Jamstack methodology, but are hung up on whether it's the right fit for your organization? That's true, of course, for any new methodology. And we at ILM have gotten pretty good at working with our partners to select which technologies and methodologies are the best fit. Please visit ilmservice.com today to request some of Josh's time to talk with your organization. Finally, if you like what you heard today, please tell a friend about us. If you have any questions or need anything else, please email us at podcast at ilmservice.com. Take care.